Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right. Well, there's only 10 of us here, so that's good. <laughs> no, no, I'm just teasing. Let's, uh, let's go to Psalms 91 first this evening. If you're joining us on uh, live on Facebook, welcome. We're glad to have you. Um, we're going to go through the scriptures uh, this evening and continue in our series, unless the Lord interrupts me. I do have a, a good message here on how not to be afraid, but I haven't really sensed a lot of fear in the room, so <laughs> we, maybe we won't go that way. And uh, uh, we'll, we will get into uh, Romans chapter 9 tonight. Um, but we will, let's do this, let's declare Psalms 91, and you guys can agree with me, you don't necessarily have to say it yourself. Um, but we just want to declare this over the church, um, and we'll open with prayer and do this in, in, with prayer here too, and uh, believe God, and believe God for those that are affected by the uh, coronavirus and, and that, the stuff that's going on, continue to believe God uh, with our president and with the, the people that are doing their natural things, um, and continue to stand against the spirit of fear. Amen? Um, you know, I don't know... It, it's easier to build a house when there's no storm, it, but some people haven't learned that yet, you know? I mean, I've been building this, a healing house for years, you know? I mean, it, so it's, it's not as, you know, I mean, we're following the laws. It's not like we kicked the doors of the school in and made our kids go to school. Um, we're following those, the, the guidelines of what they've established. And if the government does say, you know, um, that they they want to shut down churches for a while, we'll follow that guideline. I'm not going to try and fight the government on it. Now, um, for, for this situation, so just so you know, um, be aware of that. Let's pray, and then I'll give a few more announcements, and then we'll get into this. Father, we just thank you for tonight. Father, we're so grateful that we are the righteous. Father, we're delivered. We're saved. Father, when we, we, we've been delivered from the fear of death and bondage. Lord, according to Colossians, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, which is where pestilence stalks, and into the kingdom of the Son of your love. We're your children. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And no weapon that is formed against us will prosper. And so, Father, we do. We declare your word uh, as those who do live in the secret place of the Most High. So, Lord, as uh, the pastor of this church, my own house as well, my own kids, my own family, and then the families that are represented here, and then the contacts that they have in, in, in their worlds here in this area. We just speak the word of faith, Lord. We say of you that you are our refuge and our fortress. You are our God and you we trust. Surely you shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You cover us with your feathers and under your wings we take refuge. Your truth is our shield and buckler. We are not afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. Only with our eyes shall we look and see the reward of the wicked, because we have made the Lord who is our refuge, even the Most High, our dwelling place. No evil will befall us, nor shall any plague come near our dwelling, for he gives his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. In their hands they bear us up, lest we dash our foot against a stone. We tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent we trample underfoot. And Father, you said back to us, because we have set our love upon you, therefore you deliver us. You set us on high, because we have known your name. When we call upon you, Lord, you are not silent. You answer us. You're with us in trouble. You deliver us and honor us. And with long life, you will satisfy us and show us your salvation. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So, um, God is good. Amen. So let's just do this. I just want to take a second and do this first. Let's, Because uh, I know that as God continues to move over the nation and in, in, in these situations and and what we're, what we're dealing with currently. Um, you know, the scripture says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know, there's no promise that says that trouble won't come. There's a promise that says we'll be protected. You know, there's only one place where there is no trouble. That's heaven. 
Okay? And we've been talking about that as far as the wills and, and the different wills. But let's just do this. Let's just take a second here and, and just thank God and give Him the glory for the deliverance that's coming. Because we're in a political season. So it shouldn't surprise anybody that uh, in the process of this, when it does all come to a close quickly here and everything passes by, that politicians are going to want to take the credit. And I just don't want to give it to them. And I really don't care what side of the aisle they're on. They are not God. They are not my God. They are not my source. They are not my deliverer. They're not my provider. They're not any of that. God is. And so let's just do that. Father, we just give you the glory. We honor you and bless you. Father, you're our deliverer. You're the one. Yes, we know you work through human agency. But Father, we wouldn't even be here to work through if you were not all-knowing, all-powerful, sovereign, creator, merciful, compassionate Father. And so we give you the glory for every healing, every deliverance, every good thing that comes out of all of this. We will not worship man's intellect. We will not worship science. We will not worship politics or any of those things. But we will honor and bless and give you all the glory for every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. And so, Lord, we thank you for your good and perfect gifts. And we do give you the glory in advance and even for every good thing up until this point. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, so I just want to make sure to do that because um, it keeps our mindsets right. Uh, if you are joining us online, a couple of things. Just we'll continue with updates. Um, if you want to, we would ask that you, uh, if you have a cell phone, and you can text that you would text life in Christ, all one word, lowercase to 845-76, 845-76. And um, if you do that, uh, then uh, you'll be connected. You'll have the opportunity to get into our flock note system. And we send out emails and text via that and you can get updates right away. Now, we don't annoy you with that. Okay, so, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, we don't pest anybody. Yeah, we're not a pest um, with that. But we do send reminders out and stuff like that. Now, if you're on a plan, because we've had, excuse me, some of this happen uh, with plans, where sometimes people pay for a certain amount of texts. And so if that's the case, you want to subscribe to the email, not to the text, so that you don't go over in your charges. We don't want to be the problem there. So um, just be aware of that. And then also on Facebook, we'll always be posting there. Um, and then at Facebook, it's forward slash faith family billings. And so that's where we live stream and all that stuff, which if you're watching by live stream, you know where we live stream because you're watching it. So, uh, also wanted to let you know, uh, the women's Bible study is canceled for this weekend. Um, Heidi just felt like that was what she was supposed to do. So I know there have been, there's two sides to it, but one of them partly is moms have been home with their kids. <laughs> unexpectedly. So maybe you need a break. <laughs> so uh, right now, as of right now, we'll have church as usual on Sunday. Um, we have, uh, we're doing extra cleaning and all that stuff. I'm sure you guys saw that, um, just like the grocery stores would and all that stuff. So unless something changes where, you know, they set something in place government-wise, uh, we're just going to move forward as planned, but just keep yourself aware in those areas um, so that we can... Uh, keep you updated and you don't show up and only two people are here, me and Josh, just me and Josh. <laughs> so no matter what, even if we didn't have service this Sunday, we will live stream. Okay. So that will still happen. I'm not sure if we'll have a full worship team and all that stuff yet, but, um, we'll keep them posted so they don't show up accidentally. Or maybe we won't, maybe we'll just make them come. Yeah. And they can just be part of the 10 or 15 in the audience. I want to address this too, just as a just as a note of of natural knowledge. So sometimes, you know, I know like Faith Chapel and different ones have canceled their services. Part of the reason why they would be more prone to do that is because they're a lot bigger churches. Okay, so just be aware of that too. Um, last Sunday there was no. I think the the level was fifty, and we had half the crowd here last Sunday, um, if not maybe even a little less. So. People are going to do what they're going to do. And I'm okay with that. We're okay with it. If you, I'll just put it to you like this. And this is how I gauge things in my life. Okay? 
If you can do it with confidence, go ahead. If you can't, if you're just not solid in your heart yet on it, if there isn't just rest and peace on it yet, then don't do it. You know, I, I've, uh, and this is something that, uh, that I, uh, I realized as a pastor and that I've realized in talking with people and just over the years. I mean, years and years ago, I would have told you if you stayed home, you were full of fear and you were, didn't have faith and I would have been a real jerk. But, um, but I realize over time, people are at where they're at. And uh, in, in my youth and zeal, I didn't really have a lot of wisdom. And it's not going to help me to badger you into faith. It's not going to help you if I badger you into faith. It bad, nobody ever got badgered into faith. Okay? So, um, but we can continually feed you with the Word of God. And how many know you can go through life with no fear of anything? Is that true? What did David say? I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. How many of them? Well, all means all. Okay. Now, sometimes people hear that and they go, well, I don't know. Well, what you need to do is go, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm willing for you to help me to walk to this place. Okay. Does that make sense? All right. So just keep that in mind. You know, if you know somebody and they're like, well, I don't know if I should come. I, had, I was talking to somebody today and they're trying to give me all these reasons, you know, kind of excuses, you know, hemming and hawing. And I said, wait, 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 wait. You don't have to tell me any reason. Just don't come if you don't feel confident coming. Just make it easy. You know what I mean? And that way people won't feel pressured uh, with undue pressure, you know, um, and that'll be good. Amen. All right. Uh, I know uh, years ago, John G. Lake, how many have read John G. Lake, some of John G. Lake's stuff on healing and stuff like that? Uh, you know, the bubonic plague was going on. I think it was in Africa, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I always look to Mark because he knows. Me and him, have, he's read twice as many revival books as I have, but we can have conversations for hours on it. <laughs> um, but John G. Lake uh, uh, took, the scientists had all these protective gear and all this stuff with bubonic plague because they couldn't stop it. And he, he went over there. He had such a revelation of the life of God within him. He went over there and he said, they said, don't you want to use our preventatives? And there's, you know, they, that was what, basically, don't you want to suit up, you know, uh, mask up and get in a tent and, you know, you know how you've seen people uh, do to keep away from the virus? He said, no. They said, well, what do you mean? He said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He said, put that in my hand. And then put it under the microscope. So what would happen is these people would die and a, a bloody froth would come out of them. Okay? That's a nice picture, isn't it? And uh, it sounds a lot like Ebola to me is what it kind of sounds like. But anyway, he, they scooped some of it and put it in his hand. And it was, they looked at it under a microscope and it was just moving like crazy. They put it in his hands and it died. Just like that. And so he saw, in fact, in the state of Washington... He had healing rooms there, and it's recorded. You, you can go look at it. Um, but in Washington State, which they could probably use it about now, um, but he had healing rooms there, and it was declared the healthiest state in all 50 states when his ministry was going on there. They saw miracle mir after miracle after miracle documented, not just like they wrote it medically. Med many were medically documented um, of cases where the doctors couldn't do anything. So that's a level of faith. Now, if you came to me and you said, uh, Sean, let's put the Ebola virus in your hand, I might say no. <laughs> but I will not reject the truth for my lack of faith. Does that make sense? And I will not hinder myself in allowing the thinking to go through my head that I can't grow to the level that Jesus has called me in his example to grow to. So we need to be aware of that and not afraid. Now, if you're not confident in it, you know, some people are afraid to go to the hospital. It's true. They are. They, they, they don't, you know, they walk in, they're like, I just don't want to be here. I don't like being here. Um, and so that's not me. I go into the hospital. I pray for people. It doesn't bother me a bit. I don't even care really what they have, you know. The other thing you can do, just as an FYI, if you don't want to lay hands on them, you can send the word you say, what do you mean by that? Jesus sent the word and healed them. You can speak over somebody if you can get them to, like if I'm talking to Shane and he doesn't, let's say he doesn't want me to touch him because of coronavirus. 
It works for our illustration currently. And, uh, and he doesn't want me to, but I can get him to say, but, but is it okay if I pray for you? He says, yes, I want you to pray for me. And, he's, and I just say, bow your head, close your eyes, and I can just start speaking over him. Because we have the word of faith, right? And there's no distance in the spirit. It's not me putting my hand on somebody that heals somebody anyway. It's the power of God. Where is God limited? Can't, does God generally know your address? Does, do you think he can find you in the phone book? Can he find your, does he know your cell phone number? Does he have the most amazing GPS system? You, you mean you thought Big Brother had you? No. <laughs> God's got you. There's nowhere where you can go where he is not. And what we know about our father is he is ever merciful and ever compassionate. And he's always looking for just an opening to be able to show his goodness. Amen? All right. So are we ready for Romans chapter 9? Did I stall long? No, that's probably long enough. Amen? Uh, let's keep going on our prayer for uh, rain, of course. We're believing God for rain. We're pulling that down. And then also walking in love as well. How many know faith works by love? You think you want, if you want Psalms 91 to work, you're going to have to stay walking in love. So don't be fighting amongst yourselves. Amen? All right. Uh, so let's go, if you want to turn to Romans chapter 9, we are dealing with a series, in a series here called Free Will. And I'm dealing with the sovereignty of God, the issue of the sovereignty of God. And I want to read and just go over a couple of things that we have before. But just as a reminder, if you want to catch up to where we're at today, you can go back and listen on the website, which is uh, Josh will post it online. But it's faithfamilybillings.com. And uh, you can go to the sermons, and there is audio and video available there. Uh, you can catch up to where we're at. Um, this will make more sense in context, but you're going to get something either way. So sovereignty... And what I had shared with you before, and I'm going to read here, is from Foundations of Pentecostal Theology, which is actually the, the, the theology doctrinal book of uh, the Four Square. It's one that we got um, uh, at Rhema when we were in Bible college. But they said this, sovereignty. They said this, we have already, under the previous heading, discussed God's sovereignty over nations and the unseen realm. Some treatment at this point should be given to the age-long controversy over God's sovereignty versus man's free will. Paul writes in Ephesians, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So just in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 there, we see the word predestinated. And we see according to his will. This passage seems to infer that everything results from the will of God. On the other hand, John in Revelation chapter 22 quotes Jesus in his final appeal to man. And whosoever will. So here's individual will. Let him take the water of life freely. This passage clearly says that the water of life is available to any on the basis of choice and human free will. Unquestionably, the doctrines of election and predestination are in the Bible. On the other hand, we have the words of Jesus while he wept over Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together, and ye would not. That's Matthew twenty-three thirty-seven. Again, and ye will not come to me, that ye might have life, John five forty. And again, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16. In truth, the Bible teaches both positions. God is sovereign, but not arbitrary. In other words, it's not random. Okay? He's not sovereign in randomness. So, <clears throat> you have to hold that thought in your mind. Otherwise, the enemy will be able to de deceive you concerning his character. Really, what I feel like I'm doing more than anything in this series is defending who God is. To be honest with you. Because there is so much ascribed to the Lord that is of the devil. That Jesus declared was of the devil. Okay? So, so we need to be aware of that. And, and, and so that's why I'm taking, taking the time with it. Um, and taking the time to attack some difficult passages which the Lord is going to help us with. 
But in truth, the Bible teaches both positions. God is sovereign, but not arbitrary, based on random choice or personal whim. Man has freedom of choice and will uh, with certain limitations. So in other words, what I mean by that is, is that you, you cannot say, well, I'm going to go to heaven no matter what God's will is for me, <laughs> okay? You don't just, you, that's where you've, you've, you've stepped out of the realm of the age of grace and free choice and into the eternal where judgments are settled by the Father based on the decisions that we've made, okay? And I'm going to prove that tonight, okay? So, or at least over the next, maybe possibly two weeks. But our inability to reconcile the two positions does not make one position or the other untrue. Our inability to see how both can be true at the same time is due to our finite human comprehension. But I believe the Lord will give us understanding in this. I do not believe that we need to eternally be in confusion. I don't believe that we need to be temporarily in confusion in something that we need to understand that is a, a cornerstone to the uh, a foundation or the solidness of our faith. In other words, your faith is based on something solid. If you have a back-and-forth mind concerning something about God, let's just take the subject of, uh, of uh, peace in your life or peace of mind, or, or let's just take the subject of this. Does God do evil? Does he author evil? If you have any sort of thinking in your mind that, that God could be partnering with the devil behind the scenes in your life, and there's nothing you can do about it, how solid is your faith in the promise of God? It's not solid. And where does that thought end? Okay? So take that thought. Don't make it a part of your life. But let's just use it for just a second here. Where does that thought end? Then if God is partnering with the devil, how do you know that you're going to heaven when you die? Because at which point is he not partnering with the devil and, it, and then he is? Now, I want you to think, so this should cause pain in your brain, okay? It should. You should your gears should be turning right now. If you can't answer that, faith is based on solid truth. Confidence. How is, is confidence built in your relationship with somebody if they, if they tell you the truth half the time and tell you a lie the other half? So how is it with God any different? Right? How, how is it different with him? We have to see truth. Now, the enemy is ever working to distort that truth. So it does take diligence on behalf of ministers, but on behalf of individuals in their relationship with the Lord to be able to hold on to truth and, and, and build a, a solid foundation with those truths in your life. It's easy in the... I'll just put it to you like this because this will help you. Any old dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live one to swim up. So apply that to your faith. How are you, how are you building, strengthening, swimming against the current of the world? Because the current of this world is anti-Christ. It is the spirit of Antichrist against the anointed one in his anointing. So you need to be, what, engaged in your relationship with the Lord through study and reading his word and fellowship with him in prayer every day, every day. In other words, the, we don't, we're not engaged in our relationship with the Lord on Sunday only. But see, the problem is most Christians are. And that's why they come in defeated all the time. And always needing somebody else to prop them up rather than being able to prop somebody else up. Amen? Okay? So this is reality. So what does that mean? Well, these are truths that if you're an honest person, you'll take them and sit before the Lord and go, Lord, okay, show me. Where do I need to grow? Not, not praying, not, not constantly going to the, it's like, I've, I've dealt with this so many times through the years. Uh, somebody will be in a, in a job and uh, they'll have a, a boss that's just wretched, <laughs> you know, mean, <laughs> harsh, whatever. 
whatever the issue is, okay? And uh, their, their knee-jerk reaction is, get me out of this, Lord. When Peter said something different. But see, when you're young in the Lord, your first reaction is, oh God, get me out. But when you grow a little bit, it's, okay God, what are we going to do? What's your plan here? Okay? Now we have to delineate what that is in Scripture. There are situations where that's not the case. But how many know this? That the Lord... Um, as far as the Lord is concerned, you can be, the Lord has put me in situations where I wanted out and I stayed for years. You good, isn't it? You can feel the energy. <laughs> I only do this to you because I love you. <laughs> and I stayed there for years. And you know what I realized after I was out? Even after I was out initially, the Lord and the Lord legitimately led me out. You know what I realized? I wasn't there to change there. I was changing there. Well, sure hurt. Crucifixion of the flesh always hurts. You say, what happened after that? Not much as far as the level of that moves me anymore. What do you mean by that? I don't even really get emotional about it. It doesn't have a place in me. Why? Because I overcame by the grace of God. And now, and, and this is exactly how, um, well, I'll just put it to you like this. The Lord told me this, or actually I was watching a, a Rama, winter Bible seminar was going on down at Ramah. And one of the pastors there and teachers at the school's name is Marvin Yoder. And he was, he was teaching on uh, a certain subject about uh, hearing the voice of God and not being delivered from trouble, but walking through trouble, not just having it dissolved, but walking through the thing. And he was talking about the fact that people have, he was asking, you know, has anybody ever been in a job that they wish they were delivered out of, but they weren't. Um, and they ended up staying. And in the end they thought it was great, but, but at the time they thought it was horrible. And he said this, he had a friend that said, um, God won't promote you until you're overqualified in the position you're in. What does that mean? That means if you just want out for the sake of getting out because it hurts, that's not a good enough reason. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the, we have to delineate here according to the word as far as what suffering actually is biblically. So there's certain things that I'm not talking about here, but specifically, whether it be an employee situation, whether it be, you know, something in those arenas where you're dealing with people and, and people are around you. The answer is not just to become a hermit and go live in the mountains. You know, really, honestly, most of the time that's just selfishness. And I have people in, that, in my life that are that way. Well, I don't want to be around anybody. Well, then you're going to be alone when you die. Come on, preach. Say, what's this got to do with sovereignty? I don't know, but I'm in it and I'm staying in it. <laughs> <laughs> we got here, we're here, it's pretty good. It's a rabbit trail. In other words, don't just pray, Lord, deliver me, pray, Lord, change me. Okay? Because in that, you'll become stronger. A good trainer doesn't let you get away with not trying harder, not pushing more weight. If they're a good trainer. But we live in a culture in the church and in the world that says, your feelings are the most important thing. How you feel uh, is the most important thing. Except your feelings are not, you can't function rationally inside your emotion. Amen? You just can't do it. Okay? So just be aware of that. So, where was I? Not in this, but we're going to keep going. Dr. R.A. Torrey said this in the following, uh, sets forth, in the following, sets forth foreknowledge as the basis, foreknowledge is the basis for reconciling predestination with man's freedom of choice. Okay? And he says, he says this. So, he says, the actions of Judas 
and the rest were taken into God's plan and thus made a part of it. But it did not mean that these men were not perfectly free in their choice. They did not do as they did because God knew that they would do so, but the fact that they would do so was the basis upon which God knew it. (laughs) Okay, let your brain rest for just a second here. Okay, you're probably like me. I read through that. I'm like, Lord, that is, we got to get this in better words. (laughs) Okay, so watch this. Foreknowledge no more determines a man's action than afterknowledge. Okay, foreknowledge, just because God is omniscient, doesn't mean he made the choice for you. Is that easier? Okay, so just because he knows what's going to happen doesn't mean he decided your will in it. And this is the thought that you need to hold in your mind as we go to Romans 9. Because if you don't, and you just read Romans 9, it can look like God is in control of every little detail and you better shut your mouth on what you think about it. I mean, it's probably a good idea anyway to just not offer your opinion overly to God, you know, and not listen, but you understand what I'm saying. So we're going to have to, we're going to look at this and we're going to see it. Okay. It's going to be good. Say it with me. Say, I'm going to see it. All right, good. Romans chapter nine. Let's go to Romans chapter nine and we'll start in verse one. Uh, It says this, I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the uh, service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers and uh, from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternal blessed God. Amen. Verse 6. But is, is not that the word of God... It, Excuse me, let me say that again. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is those who are the children of that that is those who are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come. And Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, Siri just caught me and decided to try and answer me right there because I said, Sarah shall conceive a seed. And it thought I said, Siri. All right. (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Siri. All right. So, and not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I have hated. <laughs> that confuse you? <laughs> Once you know the background, you'll understand it. Okay? But you've got to know the background of these things. Does it look like that's predestination? When you read that, when I just read that, does that sound like God's picking? Oh, yeah, it does. It does to me. That's why I thought, man, I got to go to this verse. I got to look at this and see what it is. How many know it doesn't do any good to just sit back and go, well, I guess it is what it is. It doesn't help. It's just like, and I'm going to tie this in with this, like coronavirus. Have you studied who people that have died from it? Have you looked at the statistics and why? Do you know why Italy has a high level of death rate? Do you know what the average death rate in Italy is? 81. 81 years old is the average. That's the average death rate. Do you know why that they've had that the way they have? There are many reasons. There are a few reasons. Usually, you know, it's underlying issues and stuff like that. But do you know why more than anything? I mean, there's, there's several reasons. There's a, people that have been affected by it strongly because it ends up being some sort of pneumonia. They're smokers. But they won't tell you that on the news. They'll just flash this. Boom. This is how many people have it. Boom. This is how many people died. Oh, God, what are we going to do? You know, there are over 200,000 cases in the earth. In the earth, guys. 
There are almost 8 billion people in the earth. 8 billion. Now, I'm not going to do it now, but you go home and you divide 200,000 by 8 billion and see what percentage you get. And I understand why they're concerned about it. I understand it. But at least look and see. Get Find out why. Don't just turn the news off and actually look at the statistics. You know what I mean? People are like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> don't be afraid. Just do it. It'll help you calm down a little bit. All right. That might, that's probably for somebody on the internet because we're all in this closed area. So, um, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> okay. So, we see here, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. Is there unrighteousness with God? Now, how are we going to tie that with the previous verses? How are we going to reconcile these thoughts? Are we just going to sit back and go, well, I guess God knows. I mean, how am I ever going to know? We're commanded to study to show ourselves approved. And people that don't study to show themselves approved end up ashamed. And really, that's the consequence according to Scripture. You end up with shame because you don't know. You can know. The same Holy Spirit that wrote the book lives in you. How many know we live in a day and an age where there is more than enough material available for everybody to find some truth? People, you know, people think, well, we need to come up with a new app so people will read their Bible. No, people need to quit being undisciplined and read their Bible. We have more Bibles, more translations, more available preachers, more available opportunity to the Scripture. The issue is not the availability. It's the continued rebellion in the heart of man. And if that's not going to change, your circumstance will not change. I don't know about you, but when I came to the Lord, I had to repent. And then as I've walked with him day after day, what have I had to continually do? You're the righteous one. You've made me righteous, but Lord, I need help. You've got to change me, change the way I think. Show me how to live this life. Or you can go through your life and go, well, I don't know. It's just not fair. And that's a snotty attitude. And you're going to get yourself in a whole bunch of trouble. And especially if you know the Lord and you continually year after year pitch fits, the spoon will come. (laughs) People say, oh, no, 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 it's in the New Testament. The Lord chastens those he loves. So I'd rather go and have conversation. Say, Lord, what do you think? Well, Sean, there's this area. Now, he doesn't just point out all my faults, okay? Or where I'm missing it. He doesn't do that. I, uh, the Lord is much better at correcting than I am personally to other people. He's, I mean, if you've really been corrected by the Lord and you've, really, and you've been ministered to by him, then it's, you're not afraid of it. Do you understand what I mean by that? Now you have reverence, but you're not afraid. So God is good. And he is, there's no unrighteousness with him, Right? All right, for he says of, to Moses, I will have, I, I will have mercy on, on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very reason I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that, you may, um, that my name may be declared in all the earth. <laughs> I love this. Oh, I'm just, just, I'm stacking the weights heavy on one side on purpose because I've got counterweight coming. I'm stacking it heavy, all right? Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills and on whom he wills he hardens. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? 
that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people, and and her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where I have said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called the sons of the living God. Oh, I love that. Because I be one. All right. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. Though the numbers of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness. Because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of the Sabbath had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom. And we would have been made like Gomorrah. What shall, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever uh, believes on him will not be put to what? Shame. Whoever believes on him, not who keeps the law. Whoever believes on him. Amen? All right, let's go all the way back to verse 1. Did it on purpose. Ready to break it down? All right. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 is answering this question, how to explain the rejection of Christ by the very ones for wh- to whom God gave the promises of the Messiah in the first place. That's what Romans chapter 9 is answering. This is an explanation to the Jews about how they missed the Messiah. Really what it boils down to is this. The Jews were saying, it's not fair, God. It's your fault we missed the Messiah. That's what they were saying. Does that sound familiar? Not my fault. That woman you gave me. (laughs) The woman said, the snake did it. (laughs) In other words, this is the question that has to be settled. This This is the thing in us that must be settled. Will we take responsibility for us? If Guys, if we get this one thing, spiritual growth will explode. When you realize how merciful your father is, you, why does it say, come boldly to the throne of grace to receive? If, you're, if, if a person who is always blaming somebody else doesn't come boldly to the throne... In fact, they don't even approach because they haven't even taken time to look at them. My problems in my life may have been may have been reinforced or uh, motivated by the way my parents raised me. But I will never ride the crutch of my parents did this to me so I can never change. Never. Never. I never will. You say, why? My parents and me are not going to stand before God together. It's going to be me. Well, they've got to stand for them. God is judge, not me. So in other words, it's taking responsibility. Amen? So we see this. Romans Romans begins uh, a three-chapter parenthesis is what, or well... uh, Basically, explanation. Explaining how Israel fits into the grace picture and the coexistence of human and divine will on the earth. In heaven, only God's will is done. How many would agree with that? On earth, there are three wills being done. You know what's interesting about this? This is straight out of a commentary right here that I have. Do you know I did not read it before I did that slide or before I started this series at all? The Lord just said to me, there's three wills, Sean. And I thought, okay. And then he started showing it to me. And then I read this today and I about jumped out of my chair. I thought, I'm a theologian. (laughs) (laughs) 
I could write a commentary. No. Okay, so moving on. On the earth, there are three wills being done. God's will through believers, Satan's will through believers and unbelievers, and man's will. Okay? The first time man's will comes in line with God's will is at salvation after the fall. From the time of salvation on, how believers will, how the believer's will lines up with God's will is through obedience to the word of God and the Holy Spirit. His word is his will. Okay? So, we see in, in Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through 11, this is about Israel. Paul shares in the first verse his deep love, okay, with Israel, or for Israel. And he goes down the list. He says, I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bear, also bearing witness, me witness in the Holy Spirit. And he goes through all these things. Verse 2, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Verse 3, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. Can you, do you, have you ever just paused on that, those words? I have. You're telling me you wish you could be removed from Christ so that your people could be saved. I mean, where does that come from? That's got to be this, that same love that dwells in God. Because that's the only time I can see where there's another example where God said, Jesus said, I love them so much I'll be separated from my father and cursed so that they can be redeemed. Total sacrifice, yeah. And not just a, you know, oh yeah, you know, this is real. Okay, there were blessings given to uh, the Jews. How many know that the Israelites, um, they were given uh, adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service to God? We've looked at all these things, the promises. The, um, they had all of these things given to them. Verse 5, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all and the, and the eternally blessed God. Amen. And he continues to talk about what has been given to the Jews. And then we have the rejection by the Jews that took place. And that's in Genesis 25, 19 through 23, if you want to see that. Israel's rejection and God's purpose. If you want to look at that, you can. All right. Then we get down into verse 6. And I want to, I want to read something here to you out of the uh, New Testament, uh, Life in the Spirit New Testament commentary concerning these next verses. 6 through 29 basically deal with everything in the predestination Calvinistic uh, idea of doctrine. Some see in this, some see this section, talking about Romans 9, 6 through 29, a strong argument for Calvinism in which God's sovereignty and election is seen to predetermine the eternal destiny of all individuals, whether for salvation or damnation. Unlike Romans 8, 29 through 30, however, the election of individuals is not the topic here. Rather, the election of God in, in this chapter concerns the election of nations and of peoples. It doesn't concern individuals, nations and peoples, okay? The individuals named in verses 7 through 13 are those whom God elected to fulfill roles necessary for the advancement of his work with the nations. The emphasis, therefore, is not on the individual destinies of the ones named, but on the historical roles they played for the nations they represented. We may add, then, that God's election of nations is not determinative. In other words, something that it determines, okay? It's not something that determines. For the people within those nations, I'm going to read this again, okay? We may add then that God's election of the nations is not determinative for the people within those nations. For example, whereas the election of Israel was God's decision, the participation of a particular Israelite in the covenant blessing depended on his or her individual response to God. Did you hear that? Okay. So this should unravel this confusion in this chapter to you. In other words, God's not just throwing a blanket over the whole thing. Remember, God has a will that will be accomplished in general. But whether we choose to function in it or not is up to us. I choose to function in Psalms 91. Amen? Okay. So, in short, God will achieve his pur purposes for the nations. 
the inclusions of a particular individual within his saving grace hinges on one's personal response to God's mercy. Did you hear that? Okay. But, verse 6, look at verse 6 in there. But it is not that the word of God has, not ta- has taken no effect. For they are not Israel, not all Israel who are of Israel. So what is Paul saying here? Yet, there were many Jews saved in the Old Testament. Did you know that? Not are all Israel that are Israel. You say, what do you mean by that? It's not, if you're just born a Jew, it doesn't mean you're saved. In the flesh. You're not. You have to receive the Messiah. Okay? So, but there were many Jews saved in the Old Testament. The word preached in faith will produce results in the hearts of the people looking for redemption. Not all racial Jews are the true Israel. Those Jews who have received Jesus as their Savior are the true Jews. The Jews at the time of this writing were blaming God for all their troubles instead of correcting their unbelief. They looked for someone else to blame, a scapegoat, and they put the blame on God. They were promised all the land of Palestine, and as yet, they never dwelled there. It's all God's fault. This is what they're saying. They were promised a Messiah who would rule on the throne of David. He has never sat on the throne in Jerusalem. It's all God's fault. In other words, you're not the Messiah. If you were the Messiah, you would have done this, you would have done that. But what they're doing is, is they're judging God according to their knowledge. They have not allowed the Holy Spirit to instruct them, teach them, reveal to them the Messiah. Come on. The Jews missed the coming of their own Messiah. Now God knew they would. So what did did he do in his will in the process? He sent salvation to who? The heathens. Right? And he, he invited in those that were out. So chapter 9 deals with God's faithfulness even though man is unfaithful. All these promises will come to pass despite the attitude of the Jews. The kingdom will come despite Satan, the Jews, or all our unbelief. It will come. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean somebody will believe if you don't choose to. They will. How How else do you speak the end from the beginning? Right? All right. Not Ishmael, but Isaac. In verse 7, we see this. I'll read verse 7. We've got about five minutes here, so we'll be able to get through, through a few of these. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in what? Isaac, your seed shall be called. So in verse 7, Paul begins to tell the Jew which will receive the promises. Those who are of faith are the true Israel, not Ishmael. But Isaac, not Esau, but Jacob. Come on, think about that. Okay? Why, why pick them? Because they represent groups of people. Believers and... How are believers or unbelievers decided? Me. You. I choose to believe. Yeah, whosoever will. I come and I drink of the water of life freely. How do you do that? By faith. Well, where's the water? It's in heaven. It's on the earth. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He's all powerful. He's omnipresent. I drink of him. Nobody I know that's truly born again sits back and goes, I don't know where he is. They know. The word is nigh me in my heart and in my, yeah, my mouth. He's with me. So, We see here that natural Jews were not what God was looking for. Neither is he looking for natural people of any race today. God is looking for people to be born again, made into a spiritual race today as he was looking for in Abraham's day. The natural seed is not what counts with God, but the regenerate, those born again. We are not all children of God, nor are we all brothers and sisters because of anything attached to natural birth, color, race, or sex. True equality and relationship can only come through accepting Jesus as Savior and joining God's family. Galatians 3.26 tells us, We are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Isaac was the faith seed of promise. Ishmael was the flesh seed by works or self-effort. Let me ask you a question. Could Ishmael still be saved? Yes. 
God did not curse Ishmael because of Abraham and Sarah's genius idea on how to have God's will come to pass. How many of you can raise both hands and say, I have an Ishmael somewhere. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, and what's the reality? Redemption is available. Why? He has mercy on whom? Whom? Whosoever will. Come, drink. Verse 8. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Verse 9. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come. Sarah shall have a son. Verse 10. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac. For the children, verse 11, not yet being born. I don't want to leave you hanging on this one, so I'm going to finish this one. For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. The children were not yet born, nor had they done any good or evil. God knew while the children were in the womb that one would reject the Lord and one would accept. What is foreknowledge? Does foreknowledge, remember we said this at the beginning, foreknowledge no more determines action than afterknowledge. God's actions are phenomenal. They're known in advance. See, the trip up and the darkness that the enemy's trying to work right now is, well, if he knows, if he knows what we're going to do, why doesn't he do something about it? He did. See, Satan is working all the time here. You got to be aware of this. And this is what I'm believing for, that we will see truth, see light grow. Just because God knows in advance what you would do, does it then fall to his responsibility to make you do the right thing? How is then, how is then, how then can there be justice? How there can, how then can there be true love? How then can there be a, an assessment of right and wrong? So what you want, and this is, the, this is the truth, when that thought comes, because I've had this argument so many times with people, if God knew what was going to happen, then why did he make man? And what they're saying is, I don't want to have to be responsible. That's what they're saying. I don't want to have to be responsible. But see... There is nothing that you are born into where your free will and your choice cannot change the situation. Nothing. I had, I, I had this, I dealt with this in youth. I had, had a couple of, I had a girl come to me one time. Well, I prayed about it and basically I, I just sin and I can't, I can't stop. And ba the Lord showed me there's no way out. I'm thinking, oh Lord. And you say, what happened? Well, I talked to the person. What did they do? They went off and did what they wanted. And where's their life today? It's exactly the harvest of the seed they planted. And you can look at God and go, you did this to me. Or you can go, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. Let's change our harvest by changing our seed. Amen? We get choice. We have choice. God knew while the children were in the womb that one would reject the Lord and one would accept. Now listen to this very carefully. One would be a man of faith and one of self, the other of self-works. What God saw for the womb was the future. What God saw from the womb was the future of both sons, Jacob and Esau. He saw Jacob would, from, uh, would receive him and Esau would not. This election by foreknowledge and grace, spiritual predestination, not foreordination. Why did God elect one over the other? Because he knew which one would choose him. But did, does that mean he made them choose? No. Come on, you parents. You have watched it happen. You've done it with your own kids. You looked at them and you knew they're going to do something they're not supposed to. And sometimes you even warned them and what did they do? 
They still did it. Well, you, I can't believe you didn't stop them. Why didn't you? But see, we do this to God. How is it any different? We get to choose. It's a sobering thing, isn't it? It's a sobering thing. But if you, if you know the character of God, you know that he's redemptive in everything. And then you know what's interesting about God? Well, we'll get to it next week. I know. I know. Okay. Let me, let me give you just a little more. Okay, we'll finish this one. My wife gets upset with me because she's down there with them kids. And so, all right. She's like, you went over this week. I'm already over. Oh, okay. Foreknowledge, predestination, calling, justification, glorification. Election and predestination are all based on God's foreknowledge of our will. Verse 12. Look at verse 12. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. God's foreknowledge, not foreordination, okay, not predetermined, was made known to Rebekah before their birth. It was made known to her. God chose to reveal it to her. Does he always do that? No. But he, was, he revealed it, okay? As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. God did not hate Esau, but his unbelief. That he hates. And God loved the faith of Jacob. Moses and Pharaoh become the subject of verses 14 through 18, just as Esau and Jacob in verses 10 through 13. But just because God knew that Esau was going to, i got to say this again, God's foreknowledge, not foreordination, was made known to Rebekah before their birth. He knew. Just because he knows doesn't mean it was his will. We choose. If there is no free will, and there is no, there's nothing on us in, in regards to choosing right and wrong. This is, how we, this is how I boil us down into the very simplest, okay? If there is none of that, then God is unjust. In holding me accountable. Come on. Right? Okay. Just because. And it goes back to that idea. And we'll get into Moses and, and Pharaoh next week. But I'm telling you guys. When we. When this. And you need to go back and listen to this. I'll post this message tomorrow. And go back and read it. And think about these things. Think about them. Understand. I'm telling you. If you get it settled in your mind. That our God, who we is our Father, is sovereign in, in His sovereign. And I'm gonna, we're going to prove this. But when God moves sovereignly, it's compassion and mercy. It is always, always redemptive. Always. And if we can get it settled within ourselves... That we need to repent. We are the ones that need to conform to Him. He does not need to change ever. We do. And we know the character of our God. And we know the character of Christ. And we know the character of the Holy Spirit are three in one. And they're unanimous in their decision for the redemption of all humanity. And the goodness of all humanity. And we know the character of our enemy that it is to steal, kill, and destroy. And we keep them separate. Our faith will skyrocket. And we will grow. And we will put our gener the generations below us in a better position than we've ever been in. Amen? In other words, it's Ephesians 3. What's the prayer? That His glory would go from what? Generation to generation. So in other words, your kids are going to know God better than you. How many would like to spare your kids the troubles? <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm telling you. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Father, we thank you for your continued reign on our church and on this city. Lord, we thank you that you are so good. And you are redemptive, Lord. There's no unrighteousness with you, God. You're perfect. You're always perfect. 
Lord, in advance, again, before we go, we give you the praise and the glory for delivering this nation, for delivering us, for blessing us, for protecting us, for keeping us, for watching over us. We give you the glory for overcoming already coronavirus and the manifestation of these things for your goodness and your glory. Lord, I declare, as you've spoken to me already, Lord, by the Spirit of God, and you've spoken it through other men of God who are true prophets, Lord. But I sense the same thing as a pastor in my own heart and even just in my own personal life. Lord, out of all of what is going on right now and out of all the enemy has tried to do in this nation, your church will come out ever brighter, stronger, and more full of the glory of God than ever before. Lord, we do not shrink back in fear in all of this stuff, but we do. We stand on your word. We believe you. If ever there was a time to be people of faith, it is now and even ever increasing. And we will do it. We commit to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.